This show is recorded in front of a live audience on BBS Radio. Any information obtained from our website or the live show is not intended to be a substitute for professional care. If you have or you suspect you might have an illness or other medical condition, you should consult a health care provider. The opinions expressed on this radio program are not necessarily those of this radio show or their sponsors. People of the world, let's get together. Hello, Derek. This is Sarah. I just had to call you because what I have learned from you has helped me so much in my life where I really wanted to argue, but I decided to listen. Remember that that was his experience and his reality. If the guy follows through, then great. And if he doesn't, then I can just forget about it and move on. And that is like such a huge feeling of like excitement and relief, you know, because that guy is now not in my head anymore. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Really. Derek, amazing work. Yeah, you're gonna make a huge difference in the world. You already are, one couple at a time. Hi, my friends, it's Derek Hart. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Relationships. I'm here with my co host, Beth Holland. So good to be here, Derek. If you could write down what your friends think about you, and especially your spouse, your partner, what would they write? Would they write that you're easy to talk to? and that they feel comfortable coming to you to discuss anything with you? Would your friends write that if they were frustrated by you, they would come to you and talk to you and expect you to listen? Now think about people that you feel comfortable going to, to discuss the real things of your life. Isn't it great to have those people around? Do you have any of them? My friends, people that you feel will listen to you are some of the happiest people in the world. And I want you to be one of those. I want you to be happy. I'm not saying you should be a doormat and listen to everybody's problems. The path to feeling good in life is having a few key people, and hopefully your romantic partner, welcome you in when you need to be supported. We all need support. We all need to lean on each other. And we're all terribly confused at times how to do that and who to go to. So I want you to cultivate these safe people in your life, but mostly I want you to become that for other people. And the way to become that type of person is by learning all about how easily you get offended when people tell you their truth. Yes, sometimes people are rude or mean or say things in the dumbest possible way. That's going to happen. But you have a choice how you react to it every time. And you can further exacerbate every conversation like that into a war zone. Or you can learn how to say the truth and not attack back. And at the same time, learn who would be good to keep in your life. Because you have a gift to give away. And that gift is letting people know what makes you tick and who you really are. Yes, people have to earn the gift of knowing you deeply. That's how valuable you are. Now I have a caller on the line named Cassandra. Cassandra sent me an email and said she's been dating a man and at the month mark she got angry at him one time and he is super scared of anger. Cassandra says that she realized it right away and within a day began apologizing to him. So he shut down on her completely and it's been over a month and he's barely talked to her. Hi Cassandra, welcome to Let's Talk Relationships. How are you doing? I'm all right. So you got in this relationship and it's been how long so far? A few months? Two months. Two months. Yep. You're still at the two-month mark. 
And when did you get sexual with him? So the second time second. we met, yeah. Okay. It fell apart at about the month mark. Mm-hmm. That struck me right away when I read in your email that you slept with him on the second date. Now, there's no template for exactly when to have sex with a new person, but I want to address this right away with you because it's really important for the patterns that you've described to me in the email for you to give your body to a man at maybe a slower pace. That's a very big gift to give a man. And if you don't have any understanding of how well he will be willing to communicate or connect with you after you have sex... This is the pattern that is so common for many women to wind up in, and you're in it right now. Right. So I, I think we'll get into this in a moment here about how he's pulled away. But I want you to go slower in giving yourself so freely to a man. He has to earn that. And the way he earns that is by showing some consistency first with you. Yeah. Now, are you wanting to leave the relationship and discuss that? Or are you on the fence? Like you're really thinking about staying. Are you on the fence? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's where I'm at. So the I'm fence, really, the fence really stuck. Yeah. You're stuck on the fence. Yeah. The, the fence is kind of uh purgatory. It is. It's, it's really miserable. What do you think has pulled you in so deeply? Is it the best sex? Is he the funniest? Are you intellectually matched? Yeah. I'd say he is the most grounded and he's also, he's, he's definitely the best sex. Okay. So far. Well, Cassandra, you emailed me and you said that the moment you got upset with him for the first time that he basically stopped talking with you. So I'm going to have to disagree a little bit on how grounded he is. He sounds like he's all over the board in total disarray and not able to confront situations when they come up. So what happens for you when you think about leaving him? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Yeah. So, uh, so what happens? So my nervous system just goes into some kind of really strong pain and resistance Yeah. to that. And yeah. to further complicate matters, I've gotten involved with someone new Okay. Over the last few weeks that this guy has pulled away, after two weeks, you know, we were finally uh, intimate, which for me is is a is a is a good amount of time. <laughs> it's it's good. It's it's uh, slower than usual. Women have hormones that create a bond, and it's called oxytocin. Oxytocin makes your brain temporarily unavailable. So it becomes very difficult to see who the person is in front of you with the promise of love and these chemicals running throughout your body. Knowing somebody for two weeks and taking your clothes off is very fast when you're the type of person that gets into these scenarios where you get confused and it becomes difficult to see a little more about the person's character. I know you're already pretty deeply in with this man, but in the future, I really want you to slow down. And then you won't have such confusion to deal with this early on in a dating relationship, which means if he exhibits unavailability, you can walk away without having such a broken heart. Yeah. So so you have an overlapping relationship. Yeah. And as soon as I was intimate with this newer guy, um, I instantly felt like I'd done something really wrong. Because of what the other guy is going to find out? Because of the other guy, whether he would find out or not it just felt energetically like really off really off because i was already bonded with with yeah. someone right and yeah. Yeah. i can't stand that feeling of more than one in my space at a time one is one is enough for me 
Yeah. So, but here I am in this situation. What I see, Cassandra, is you're being very hard on yourself and making your feelings wrong. And it's really legitimate that you're so frustrated because guy number one has disappeared at the first sign of a conflict. You know how you can spot a man? He knows the seriousness of getting into bed with a woman, and then he's available when something difficult comes up to just talk about. He's blown it here. I agree. With guy number two, are you having an experience of wishing the sex was as good as guy number one, and that's getting all discombobulated? Yeah. Yeah. So there's settling on top of purgatory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful experience. Yeah. I think the problem is that um, guy number one and I never had clarity about, okay, we're seeing other people or not. Like we never yeah. had that conversation. And so I feel horrible about it. Yeah. And then part of me doesn't want to have that conversation either. You have the same problem I do. My biggest problem is that I think I have a big problem. (laughs) These are short-term relationships. There hasn't been a huge breach of any kind in honesty. So can you sit with that for a second? I have part of me is really fighting that. I'm I'm trying to... That's because you're a good person and you want to not hurt people. Right. That's a great part of you. It sounds like man number one has withdrawn and is not thinking about you at all. And man number two would just like to date you and see where it goes. I doubt either of them are worrying about each other because they don't know about each other. And you are just dating. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I sometimes I think about it from their perspective right now. And they're completely clueless, don't care, probably maybe wouldn't even care. Um <laughs> And I'm just yeah. like over here beating myself up to death. And they're like, la-di-da. Man number one is not in, he's not in closeness and connection with you. So it, it, believe me, it sucks for him too. I hope so. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I literally saw him last weekend and I asked him like, oh. <laughs> how are you? And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. And yeah. I'm like, what's wrong? You're just okay. He's like, yeah, I'm under a lot of stress. And he started yeah. listing off his stressors. He's yeah. this and that. Yeah. None of it had to do with me. And I even checked in like, have I contributed to any of that stress? He's like, no, not at all. You know, and I, and I thought to myself, wow, like, ironically, I'm in so much stress and pain over this. And yeah. he's not even, he's just totally checked out and do his own thing. Okay. You're settling with guy number two. Is is guy number two uh, an option for a long-term thing? Can you grow into this relationship? It's a possibility. I I wouldn't rule it out. What we have here is guy number one is unresponsive and won't deal with things and won't respond to you when you're asking questions about the relationship and where you're at with him. And guy number two sounds like a dud, uh, somebody that you would be completely settling for. You know, I read your email and you had three long paragraphs about guy number one and two sentences about guy number two. So it's not a stretch here to really know that you're you're settling. Uh, did I read that right? Yeah. He deserves to know that he's second choice. Do you grow into loving him knowing the beginning of this relationship was talking about settling with him? Guy number one. Uh, needs to be told something by you, which is what? You can begin with, you idiot. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> yeah, I'd use other words, but yeah. I get censored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I would just say this really isn't working for me. If he could, you know, be more communicative and, you know, pick up the phone once in a while. And if he would act like he was doing before, which was like saying, how was your day every day? And like making plans with me and like seeing me a couple of times a week. Like that's the most painful part is that all of that was really going great. And then just absolute 180. That's actually a pattern for me with men. I can look back and see that that's happened a couple of times recently yeah. in the last year or two. Mm-hmm. And it's caused me just tremendous agony. And to let someone in so close and, and they're like, oh, I want you to have my kids. I have, I want to marry you. And like, you're amazing. And call me, it calls me every day and this and that. And then yeah. just, just suddenly, this is, this is a very painful pattern I'm watching play out. Okay, Cassandra, I'm going to leave you with this. There is a very strong woman inside of you. And you said it correctly when you said there's a pattern happening here. You said it yourself that it's very hard to date more than one person at a time. Let's clean this up. Man number one has not communicated effectively with you at all. And this has been happening for over a month. You have enough information to say goodbye. I believe this is a closure letter and uh, saying goodbye to him entirely. And I know what I'm saying is hard to do. I am asking you to give up the potential for love with this man. He's not available for this kind of love and commitment that you're searching for, Cassandra. Nobody's perfect. And of course, you need to give people chances. But you do have a pattern here that prevents you from seeing the truth at an appropriate time. If you're dating somebody for a month and one small thing happens and they're not willing to talk to you about it for a month, that's too long. That's true. It's time to leave that person. And I would end with this is a permanent breakup. Be very clear. This is done. And man number two, you're clearly settling with. But a bigger problem is that your mind is so confused by guy number one that you might not even see some of the benefits of dating guy number two. So I'm not saying to tell guy number two to go away necessarily, but I am saying to stop this confusion and date one man at a time. And if he's not right, learn how to give him an appropriate amount of time to respond to you and then walk away and don't tie yourself up for months in emotional agony. That is a choice. So circle back to the eye contact in the mirror and find that strong part of yourself because she's in there and I've heard her on this call. Thanks for calling in, Cassandra. Call me back. Let me know how it goes. Thank you. Appreciate you. Bye. We got to take care of some business, but we're going to be right back with Let's Talk Relationships with Derek Hart. Does your dog have muddy, dirty paws? Well, here's your answer. The Paw Wash cleans dog's paws fast and easy. Just insert your dog's paw and leg into the device and pump up and down. The Paw Wash's unique hourglass design creates a suction of power that pulls that dirt, mud, sand, or salt off the paw and leg, and it stays in the device. You can clean all four paws in a little over a minute with just one fill. For retail or online sales, go to www.thepawwash.com. That's www.thepawwash.com. This has been another exciting edition of Let's Talk Relationships with Derek Hart on bbsradio.com. I'm Beth Holland. Would you like to call? Toll-free 877-712-1446. We'd love to hear from you. The website to find out more, understandeachother.com. I have two men that I'm that I'm sexual with. They're not really the right fit for me. I'm getting a lot of my I'm getting my needs met from these men that aren't the right fit. Should I stay with where I'm at or should I close the door on the two men that I'm seeing? If I want to meet someone who's available, I need to make myself available. 
available. I don't want to go back with you. Listen to that, please. I don't want to go backwards with you. I want all of you, just you with me and living the life that I have and that I want and that I'm creating or nothing at all. I want all or nothing. Can see. Come, come now. Hi, it's the Text Corner. I have so many texting frustrations. I don't know how people are acting. They're over there and I'm over here. Like, I don't know what they mean. Really, do you know what anyone means when they're texting? You think you do, but do you really? I get you're happy. You don't need to send every smiley face emoji that they have. It is not an excuse to say you didn't get my text. Call me. Just call me on the phone. Make it easier. Hey, Derek. Hi. Hey. So, I... Um, getting back into dating, as you know, after a long marriage. Yeah. And the texting thing and the online dating, first of all, I've learned a lot from the idea of delaying sexual activity to avoid heartbreak, getting to know someone, being with your feelings, paying attention, all that. So here's what happened. I went out with a guy, a French guy, adorable, lots of chemistry. The next day, he texts me eight times. And then he starts talking about how women are so busy and he hates that and he kind of repeated that a lot. And so then I'm thinking, okay, I'm feeling pressured. So I'm not going to be able to be there for this guy in the way that he wants me to. And I actually don't want to go out with him anymore. I found it amazingly difficult to understand how I'm going to communicate that to him. Like, how am I going to exit this relationship? He's texting me. He's texting me. I don't want to just get mad. I don't want to just ghost him. I want to deal with it. So here's what happened. Here's our texting. And I want you, I, I really want to know how you feel about it. Okay. So I- Well, first of all, let me say okay, one thing that I think is really important is he's a complainer. So, <gasps> yes. so separate from the whole issue of he texted- he text messages you over and over and over, which is way inappropriate for somebody that you've known for like 10 minutes. Right. Uh, he is a complainer and he is uh, somebody who's going to continue doing that for the rest of your lives together. Right. You don't want to have that in your life, do you? No, I don't. And actually, I'm so glad you put it that way because that was the feeling I had was like, oh my God, he's complaining and complaining and complaining. He's going to, he's into me now, but he's going to be complaining about me bitterly in no time. Yeah. And I can't have that. Yeah. So I texted to him. He was texting me a lot. So I said, yeah. uh, I'm involved in several projects today. I feel I am not in a position to give you the time and attention you may be looking for. That is profound. That's actually really nice. You weren't offensive. You didn't put him down. You didn't tell him that he's needy and that he needs to get a decade of therapy, which is what I would tell him if he called into my show. <laughs> no. uh, but I think it's really great what you told him. And it's not overly blaming him. Right. And that was really important to me, Derek, because I want to keep my vibration high. So then he said, hey, Beth, hope you're doing well. The wind seems to have turned too bad. I kind of like that soft breeze on my face. Take care of yourself kisses yeah so he's kind of saying i get you're telling me mm -hmm. that it's not mm -hmm. working out for us right yeah. and then i said i'm sorry i can't pursue a love with you you are delicious which is true he Aww. was and i could have gotten all into him and i thought no that's not going to serve either of us very sweet to praise him right and then i said thank you for understanding and for your kind words mm -hmm. and then he wrote sometimes to get to the other side of the river you must jump in it Good luck to you, lovely. Aw, he's kind of withdrawing. He knows it's not going to work. He's being nice. And if only he had communicated that way all along with you, it would have uh, maybe worked out for another date. 
Well, I'm glad he kind of showed his true self right away and that I was paying attention because when we go into dating, especially if we've been out of it for a while, I think we're all about, is somebody going to like me? Is somebody going to like me? And you forget about the real skill that you need, which is to be able to withdraw from somebody, like to be able to walk away. And you talk a lot about if you delay sexual activity and you really pay attention, then, you know, you can walk away, not run away or push away or do any, or, you know, the drama isn't there. You can just, okay, we had a nice time. I can't be what you want me to be. We're not right for each other. And you can walk away and someone can call you lovely and someone can say, thank you. I'm so glad I got to, it's just a beautiful way to kind of end something that was just not worth getting started. Absolutely. And just think about this person who you've known for like, you know, three or four days, okay, Mm -hmm. and that you've been texting with. If you had started kissing him on the first date, if you had then slept with him on the second date, or maybe the third date, and then you realized, wow, he's really needy, Mm -hmm. he's overly texting me, Mm -hmm. you would have a much bigger problem on your hands, you'd have all these feelings, and then it would be really hard to figure out how to withdraw, wouldn't it? It would be actually painful. Right. And you avoided that by not going too fast with him. Yeah. And I will also say that on our second date, we met at a museum and I had a backpack and he said, oh, what do you have a backpack for? And I said, well, I'm going to a yoga class after our date. And he sulked. Yeah. He sulked a bit. Why? And I really, because he was mad that I had plans for after our date. Uh And then he complained that our date was too short. Mm -hmm. And I said, three and a half hours for a second day is too short. I thought it was just right. So I really felt pressured immediately. Now, some people would say, but you're being pressured by an adorable French guy. Like, what's the problem? Well, what's the problem is that an insecure attachment style that I really picked up on is going to lead to complaining about my life, a complaining about how busy I am or Mm. all my other interests. He'll take it out on you for sure. Right. Like, I just was like, this is not going to work for me. Yeah. It's one thing to see that a three and a half hour date for him is not enough. And it's one thing to feel pressured, but even slow it down a little more and take a look at, wow, that's coming from a pretty big lack of awareness on his part to even recognize the inappropriateness of that. So he had none of that awareness happening at all. That's the big problem here. I see. Well, thanks so much for responding to my texts. So if you have a texting question for Derek, come to the text corner and email Derek at understandeachother.com. Now I have a caller on the line named Carla and Carla emailed me. She's in a relationship with a woman and she fell in love very quickly within just a couple days. Now Carla is thinking there might be too many red flags in the relationship and is thinking about leaving. What she wants to get better at is detecting red flags and trying to prevent a recurring pattern of having heartbreak happen over and over by not detecting these red flags earlier. And she described that the woman she's dating has a 14-year-old daughter that has just a little too much say in the relationship. So welcome to my show. Let's talk relationships. Hi, Carla. What's happening with you today? My heart is still attached to someone. Yeah. Wow. Even just bringing that up, I get like teary-eyed. Figuring out how to detach and let go. We didn't talk for like two weeks we like didn't text, didn't email, and that was like the record. And then I broke that to say, 
hey, we made it two weeks. <laughs> right, right. By but you way, wrote me that you were just instantly in the relationship the moment you met her, right? So we met, you know, air quote, fell in love in two days. Felt like our souls have known each other forever. I'm surprised it took you two days. You were really <laughs> lagging behind there. Okay, so an instant falling in love. Congratulations, you've captured a human. Uh-huh. Check. <laughs> We saw each other in video and texting and talking nonstop and um, to the point where like she couldn't fall asleep at night in, unless she heard my voice. She has three kids okay. and then her head and heart got in the way. Yeah. Um, and she also has a heart condition, by the way. Like when I was around, her <laughs> heart was fine. Okay. Her OCD went away. <laughs> okay. None of my triggers got triggered uh-huh. and you like my alcohol and you know, things that would just typically trigger me with yeah. someone, none of that ever got triggered with her. And then and then her head was saying, she's going to get hurt. This isn't safe. This isn't, this is too good to be true. And we lived two hours away from each other. And that was too much for her. And so I was looking to find a place near her. But during this time of me looking for a place, she was just in constant conflict, like would break up with me via text, okay. how to go see her, would get back together, it would be like nothing to her. It would be like nothing happened. I'm a little bit cautious. I would leave. She would break up. I'd go down and get back together. So this happened a few times. You know, Carla, when we discuss falling in love, we enter a zone of mystery. I know how fast the bonding happens and how you take your clothes off, you jump into bed, you think you found the perfect match. And I understand how quickly that happens. But to really see if it's a good partner for the future, you have to take a look at the red flags that are happening. So you mentioned these things quite casually, such as, you know, she has OCD. Uh, there might be a problem with alcohol. There's already somewhat of a drama of breaking up with you and pulling away and coming towards. Some of that stuff is natural in getting to know somebody new. But when all of that happens so fast and you get these massive ups and downs, that's something to pay attention to. If there's inconsistency happening in the first month, what's it going to be like a year or two from now when you have real problems to solve as a couple? So tell me about her kid, the one that has too much control. You emailed me asking me what to do about that. Her 14-year-old loved me and then didn't like me. And then therefore she ended the relationship like whatever the 14-year-old once gets. And oh, that's boy. been the pattern of all of her past relationships. And so it was like if, if I won over the 14-year-old and I was good and I did for a while and then something happened and then I was out. So there's a very big familiar pattern in there for you somewhere. Not well, I could be open to exploring that. I everything about this seemed new to me. What what about when she started pulling away and there started being oh. you know that, oh, that, that part. That yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> the, 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 the bamboo pole dance part? <laughs> oh that one. Yeah. Relationship tip. When you're in the throes of feeling infatuated with a new love, Understand that feel-good chemicals are coursing through your system, and this intensity will not last forever. That's not to say you can't enjoy falling in love, or that your love with a new partner won't last. But the bliss of new love surely cannot and will not last forever. 
Love grows and changes, it ebbs and flows, and underneath a successful relationship is compatibility and a conscious decision and desire to make your partner a priority in your life and to show care and tenderness for their feelings while not losing your sense of self. Sounds good, doesn't it? But it's no small feat. So when you're infatuated and lots of red flags are popping up, things like substance abuse problems, stonewalling, disappearing after a hot and heavy start, children at home complicating your presence in your new love's life, serious medical conditions, take heed and slow down. If you're in it for the long run and you want to avoid heartbreak, get real about your ability to slow down and how well you notice important red flags. Thanks, Beth. That was a really great relationship tip to pull in. So, Carla, I was talking about the part where you choose partners that are unavailable, and then you realize that, and then you begin chasing them and trying to fix it. Yes, the solving. What can I do differently? What yeah. what needs to be fixed? And so the longing keeps me hooked into her. You're still interacting with her? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that keeps you in love and, and yearning and hoping and waiting. Why is she the one? Great question. Our chemistry, just like the bantering, the talking, how we communicate with each other, it was just like seamless. We went deep right away. She knew how to set boundaries. Oh, now wait a second on that one. She has a very difficult time setting boundaries as her daughter is calling the shots in her romantic life. That's a red flag that needs to be questioned. When a parent lets a child determine who the parent gets to have as a romantic partner. So what else has you really hooked into this woman? The thing that like really did it for me was like I had a migraine one day. She tuned into me like she psychically she could see like where I was laying and the cup beside my bed and told me what to do and led me on this guided meditation and my migraine went away and she showed up for me and helped me, which, you know, I'm usually the helper. Oh, I have, so no, I like, have no understanding of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So here you are with this brand new person who helps you solve a migraine headache problem better than anybody else ever has and probably contributes to why you're feeling so in love because you're getting seen and understood at a super deep level. That's great stuff. That's fun stuff. That's interesting stuff. That creates the magic that makes us fall in love. But it's not enough of an indicator if this is a good person to partner with for you. I don't want that to sound like a harsh idea. I just want you to separate it into a nice little box of things that you like about somebody. And that box has to get filled with many, many things, many consistencies, many conversations where you learn how to resolve things together. And it's so wonderful that you're open to the magic of connection with somebody, but it has to be put in its proper place. It's a beautiful beginning. It's lovely. And it's not the foundation for a long-term relationship. You have to learn many more things. So it's a good thing that she can solve your migraine headache in an instant, but it's only one thing, and you need a hundred, before you can begin coming to conclusions that you want to build a life with somebody. And the reason I went off on this little tangent is because in your email to me, you said you were already planning on moving in with her two hours away. So we're basically relocating. That's really fast. So you're on the fence about whether to continue dating this person and you almost started looking around for a new apartment in the city and you're not sure if she will commit to you because she keeps breaking up with you in the first month. This is red flag city. So you want to determine early on the reliability of somebody and you're gaining a lot of information about her but also about you and her as a couple. 
the only thing to do is recognize the red flags and stop dating or very cautiously move forward and continue dating. Yeah. How do I even know that? Like we, we had conversations over the phone, not just in text. And we talked about committed relationships uh-huh. and I see the possibilities and I, and I see the magic that can be there. It's challenging for me to accept this as the truth. The moment you learned the 14 year old has too much power. I think you didn't register that to be as important as it really is. And it's brave to see this because it also forces you to look at this not being a good match for you. So if If you were to tell her this, I would suggest saying something like, I have concerns that your child is very powerful in your decision making about relationships. And I find myself trying to win over and make sure that I don't mess up with your child so I can get the thumbs up vote instead of the thumbs down vote. And that is intruding upon what I feel two adults should be working out between themselves. I'm really concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And a 14-year-old having that much power is a potentially huge problem for your relationship to take off. So did you basically see that and have thoughts about it and then deny it because of how difficult it would be to give up the love with this person? Yes, I realized that. Um, and we did actually have a conversation, although I wasn't as articulate as you okay. Okay. <laughs> in, in this in this moment. Yeah. Well, um, God help there, you. God help you if you were, because you'd be obsessed with relationships for, for the rest of your life. <laughs> okay. You have to be willing to lose the person. Now, very, now, very often, you know, you, you won't because it's actually the thing that will bond you further because it's vulnerable to bring up such a real topic so early in a relationship. And people, you know, are dying for authentic truth and connection. Yeah. But not everybody can do it. So if you said that question to her and posed, can we talk about this? Does your child have that much power? Then you'll learn a tremendous amount. If this person can meet you in a conversation, that's really open and honest and real. She's very much aware of the 14-year-old trumps everything. You know, Carla, as a man, there's a topic here that I, I sometimes don't want to touch, which is, you know, messing with mama bear and taking care of her kid. But a woman that is a strong woman will allow herself to have a romantic life and allow herself to take care of a child. The pain that you'll endure later by disregarding these red flags now is just a killer of relationships. So pay attention to these things and call me again and let me know how this relationship goes. Thank you, Derek. Relationship tip. When you're in the beginning of a new relationship and you find yourself speculating constantly about what the other person is feeling or going through, take a moment to wonder about what you're feeling and going through. Sometimes it's easier to focus on the other person's feelings and motives rather than your own. This is called projection. Projection is when you take your emotional life and place it inside another person to resolve your own unfinished business and perhaps loneliness. If you find yourself indulging in a complex fantasy life of what the other person is feeling, it's a form of losing yourself. This is a time to step back and get centered on your own inner life. How do you do this? Get up close and personal with your own inner life? Well, you guessed it, slowing down. Try meditating for five minutes. There's so many resources now for meditation. Give it a try. Okay, I know I'm on tender hooks to find out more, but we have to take care of some business. We'll be right back with Let's Talk Relationships with Derek Hart. 
on bbsradio.com. If you'd like to work with Derek or just say hi, call toll-free 877-712-1446 or go to understandeachother.com. I'm Beth Holland. Hi, Tom Baudet. Now that Motel 6 has renovated their rooms, I figured I'd get a little work done myself. They got new bathrooms, bed linens, and flat-screen TVs. I got rid of my jowls and turkey neck. But while Motel 6 makes travel painless by saving you more for what you travel for, I'm still in quite a bit of pain. Though you could never tell by the permanent smile on my face, I'm Tom Baudet from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Where are you? Are you in bed? Or are you leaving the first human footprint on Mars? Are you jogging? Or are you about to pull off the heist of the century? Are you in your car? Or are you praying those red eyes in the darkness can't see you? A voice in your ear can take you anywhere. Audible. Get your first audiobook for free and feel every word. Seven ninety nine a month after 30-day trial. Starts automatically. Terms apply. I'm Beth Holland. This is Let's Talk Relationships with Derek Hart on bbsradio.com. Toll-free 877-712-1446 is how you can get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Understandeachother.com is the website. You certainly don't deserve to have someone that's cheated on you and ran away from you, abandoned you, and all that stuff. I'm tremendously sorry for any pain that I've caused you, and I stand in judgment of it, whether you judge me or not. We could be completely together, like extraordinary, really just propelling our life and being light for other people and helping them. I don't like other people. I know you don't. Neither do I. (laughs) I am so excited to take this call right now with a couple named Denise and Eric. They came to see me a while back, and on the drive over to my office... They were contemplating calling it quits on their relationship. They rebuilt their marriage from the ground up and saved it. Denise and oh. Eric, uh, tell me, what's going on? How's your, uh, how's your relationship going? What's going on with you? It's been so steady for so long now that, um, you know, there hasn't been any big bumps. And the last time we did hit a big bump, we reached out to you yeah. and you helped us to smooth it over. Right. The work that we've done with you has been so profound in that we have these really invaluable, very present tools that we use. I think that the main thing that for me that I've really tapped into is my vulnerability oh. and my ability to say I'm feeling really tender or sometimes I don't even have to say it out loud to him. I just have this internal relationship with myself now that's like, hey, you know, you're just feeling really scared. And this probably has nothing to do with Eric. And, I, you know, I, I take more responsibility for myself. So you're able to stop when you're triggered and recognize that you're being triggered. You, you actually can recognize that now. Is it getting safer in the relationship to do that? Oh, absolutely. Er- Eric is the, the most safe place that I have in this world. Oh. I mean, there is nobody else that's given me this safety and comfort. If we're at that point now where I'm at that space where I, I just trust him fully. I trust him with my heart. Oh, I just love you guys. Now, we worked on triggers. When one of you is upset, 
how to tell the other person what's really going on in such a way that it doesn't cause the other person to feel triggered and then have you go round and round. That's how every argument starts. So how are you doing with your reactivity to each other when triggers happen now? Whenever we're working on some big transitional project, there's always obviously extra tension and extra stress. Right. And um, I have to say, we do handle it very well. But this last few days, some things popped up. And the interesting thing for me was that I was okay with us both being fussy. <laughs> it was, was kind of like, I, it, the triggers were so evident. And I saw him getting triggered. I saw me getting triggered. And it was almost like we did this little dance with it. You know, it, it, we gave each other permission to be what we were in that moment without overreacting or taking it into the next. I mean, it's about a good solid 20 minutes maximum now that we're in that space. Wow. Wow. Wouldn't you say, honey? Yeah. In fact, Knowing that it's happening right away is the the first thing for me is like, okay, we're not agreeing on something right now and we're both upset, but it's not going to that days or weeks or months or sometime even years thing that can happen even with something that's not a major issue. And I don't feel the withdrawal from Denise. I feel that, that she's upset. I feel that she's irritated. There's still a little part of me in the back of my mind that's going, am I going to be okay with this? I mean, is this going to get much bigger or is this going to evolve into something more? And it doesn't. And I think what I have realized is I have tendency to withdraw also in our marriage. I kind of put it all on Denise, but when I get hurt or we're going through something, I can find that my feelings are, I'm not putting them out there as much. I'm withdrawing. I'm being quieter. And when this happened yesterday, one of the things that I did as we were driving back from our store, it's only a couple of miles to our house, is uh, I reached over and I grabbed her hand. And part of me was thinking, oh, it'd be nice if she did that. And I'm like, you know what, I've I can be the one to be able to, to move us out of this as well. And using our verbal communication as well. We got home and I said, you know, we can, we can let this whole thing go. It's not that big of a deal. I don't think we need to rehash it and to try to figure out what happened. It was just a disagreement about something in the store. We don't have to make this an all day thing because I hate wasting moments and time these days of being upset. The older that I get, the more I don't want to be like that, especially in my relationship with Denise. I want to move through it as quickly as possible. And I think in most cases, 5, 10, 15 minutes, I don't see why it has to go longer than that, especially if we're communicating properly. What you're describing is so deeply related to the idea of being securely attached in a relationship. Tell me if this fits onto your relationship, what I'm about to describe here. Couples fight. Couples argue. Couples will have conflict. You're supposed to. You, you know, you, you won't get closer unless you feel the contrast between each other and say the truth about what's happening, you know, and, you know, you're, you're not the same person. So if you're being honest, you will have things that come up that you feel differently about. The key is that you can recognize when you're in a differing opinion and acknowledge it and not have to fix it immediately. But you can look at each other and say, yeah, we're kind of in a bind. We're kind of in a mess and it hurts and I don't feel super loving, but we are together in being in that. Does that describe what you're talking about, Eric? 
Uh, I probably have more of a tendency to want to move through it as quickly as sure, possible. Sure. But knowing that it's not going to end our marriage, and I know it sounds silly to say, okay, we just got in a tiff at our store about something that could be, a lot of people could say would be trivial, but to me it's a big deal whenever we're not uh, lined up communicating properly and I feel that I want to fix it quickly, but I do feel more comfortable in knowing that we can be in it for a while and it's not going to be the end of our marriage and that we have moved through things for 25 years now and we've worked with you to be able to develop our marriage to a point where it's not going to be the end of something immediately. So yes, I would agree with what you're saying. Relationship tip. Couples have conflicts. It's normal. The goal in relationship is not to be without conflict. The goal is to slow down and repair the conflicts that arise. We can't possibly always be at our best every moment of every day. We're human beings. We get triggered by things. We get irritated. We get fearful and angry. Knowing this, how do we keep loving? We can start by understanding ourselves more deeply and knowing intimately what triggers us, what irritates us, and how we can take more responsibility for what we feel at any given moment. Can we learn to be less reactive? Can we step back from conflict, slow down, and acknowledge the corrosive power of our fears and anger? I think that uh, uh, the ability to sit with it for 20 minutes is incredible. The man and woman trigger each other and they are in that experience. On top of that, they're not securely connected. So they do have to often be worrying about whether or not the marriage is going to stay together. And that's kind of equal for some people to the fear of dying. I mean, it's that painful. And you know, the trajectory of when are we going to solve this? When are we going to resolve this conflict? When, you know, when couples first work with me, the trajectory is never, we're never going to resolve this. Even if we know how to take timeouts and even if we know how to walk away from each other and give each other a day of space, that time rarely heals things. So getting back to how to repair, I think is what you two are becoming pretty masterful at. I mean, this is, this is mastery, what you're describing, the ability to know there was a conflict and it's important to get back to it. Um, does, does that feel? Yeah, like, and when, yeah, when we, it does, it does. And when we, I'm remembering our conflicts before and how I would, I'm based on Eric's fear of me running. Um, there was a lot of truth in that. I, you know, he was picking up on, uh, the fact that when we would fight, I would think, you know, I could just get out of this. You know, yeah. I was, it, when you talk fight or fight, I was a flyer, right? So, right. you know, I would think, well, I can just leave any time. I'm free to go. Right. You know, I don't have to deal with this. This is too painful. He's exposing my wounds. I'm exposing his wounds. This is too much. So I always had in the back of my mind, I can go whenever I want. I'm free here. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not uh, in prison to this relationship. The wow. thing that's different is that that doesn't come up anymore. I never think of leaving to, to, to avoid the pain. Mm -hmm. What I do now is I think, well, I'm in pain. 
Huh, that's really fascinating. And there's also almost like a humor in it for me now where mm-hmm. I know that I'm and they're like I can almost chuckle through it inside. Not that I'm showing him that, but yeah. like I know it's brief yeah. and we're gonna pop right out of it and I love and adore this person and I'm here to stay and every single little thing that we go through is just a push up. It's like every time I know we're growing, we're growing, we're growing. Wow. So um, it's so different for me. It's so different for me when we spat. Wow. Wow. I want, I want to revisit the idea of codependency for a second because that was the theme of that uh, great session we did uh, so long ago. And the, the scenario was, uh, you know, uh, you know, Eric would have a need and he would feel that he's needy. And, and then you, you, you were both using the word codependency to describe what was happening. And it, it was actually a real experience for you too. I remember that he felt needy and, and Denise, you, you thought he was being needy and, and, and you were both kind of white knuckling it. Like, what do we do with this concept? It also caused Eric to feel so uneasy to even approach you and it would actually further reinforcing feeling needy and codependent. And you have just about entirely broken that cycle in your relationship. And I want to, I want to ask a little bit about how you think that happened. And let me just add one other thing because I'm going to guess that Eric now feels much more confident when he has a need and that it's okay to express it, and that Denise welcomes it in. Am I describing what you went through with each other? Absolutely. Okay. Hundred percent. Okay. I, the the shift for me in our relationship was when we met with you, and I was able to say, "I'm scared that you're going to leave me." Yeah. I I I am deathly afraid that you are going to leave me, yeah. and. All of my insecurities and quote-unquote neediness or being codependent, uh, being jealous, all set off of feeling like our marriage was on unshaky ground, that Denise could leave at any time. And after we met with you, I know that Denise was very, very conscious of verbally and in a lot of other ways letting me know that she is never going to leave me. That that's not that's not in the cards for our relationship. That we can work through anything that comes up, yeah. And that we're the type of people that are committed to each other and don't want to hurt each other. And that I'm certainly doing nothing to abuse my wife or to not support my wife. So that and she's not doing it to me. So that gives us all the opportunity in the world to make this marriage to thrive. But until I felt that I was needy, yeah. I I was jealous. I didn't. But now. Denise can go out and do anything, and not that I'm the, the gatekeeper of that, but I don't, I don't have those feelings anymore. She wants to go out. She wants to go out with her friends. She wants to do whatever she do, spend time by herself, mm-hmm. uh, go away on trips, whatever it is. I don't feel that tightness anymore because she gave me the freedom to know that I'm safe in our marriage. And once I knew that, everything shifted. You know, I've spoken in front of live groups for years on the topic of codependency, and I felt it was a little bold to ask you both in that very first session we had to eliminate even using the word codependency any longer. And I have a strong understanding of codependency, and I've helped a lot of people with it. 
But it seems that removing the word codependency and the entire concept of codependency really shifted you two. What codependency often doesn't take into consideration is how to actually need each other and connect. And codependency is so overused as a term that it almost makes it a bad thing for us to need each other. Derek, you said something about codependency like, you know, what if that's just an absolute farce? Like, what if there's nothing to it? You know, when we had really subscribed to this idea of codependency, you know, and we were both hooked. Uh, I mean, for me, it was like, oh, finally, something to describe how I feel, but like I'm being clung to and blah, blah, blah. You know, we had real good stories around it. And when you said that, I remember that was such a defining moment in my life. I hope I expressed my gratitude to you since then. But that was a huge turning point, Derek. When you said that, I went, oh. Oh, wow. I've got it all wrong. Yeah. You know, and that opened up a whole new field of possibility for me in terms of not always needing to be right. Number one, not knowing it all. Number two, mm-hmm. and staying open to possibilities because I was so stuck about that. My favorite part of our relationship is our dependency on each other. <laughs> you know, like, wow. I'm uh, Wow. I love that he needs me. I don't. I love that we're co together as two, dependent on each other. Wow. You know that what what we what we were so terrified of, what we ran from, is actually who we really are in the deepest sense. Yeah. Is you know I am thoroughly committed and connected to him. Wow. Um, so if that's codependency, I don't care. You can call it whatever you want. Wow, you two. I am just so grateful I got to work with you both and see you put these concepts into such incredible practice with each other. Let's stay in touch, and I would love to have you on the show again. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Derek. All right, you guys. Talk again. Take care. Relationship tip. What's the danger in slapping labels on your partner? He's codependent. She's narcissistic. Well, the first thing is that labeling your partner is only important if you truly have to get away from danger. If your partner is emotionally or physically battering you, then yes, name that and get away. But in most cases, this is not what's really happening. Couples use these labels as a desperate attempt to make sense of their dysfunctional relationship. If I label you as a narcissist, then I do several things. I victimize myself and make you the problem. This is called blame. And when I blame you, I make you feel bad and then you get defensive. No wife has ever called her husband a narcissist and then had her husband respond by saying, oh my goodness, darling, thank you for pointing out my narcissism. I've been searching for a way for us to reconnect again and that's information that has solved our dilemma. Let me get a good book on how to change that about myself. Instead, couples must learn a different path. And that path is called the art of expressing feelings without criticizing and listening without reactivity. Well, that's a wrap up of today's show. It's Let's Talk Relationships with Derek Hart on bbsradio.com. I'm Beth Holland. Would you like to join the conversation or just let us know you're listening? We'd love to hear from you. It's toll-free, 877-712-1446. The website to find out more, understandeachother.com. We appreciate you and we hope you make it a great day.